Welcome to Good Faith Reads. I'm your host, Cliff Vaughn, the media producer at Good Faith Media. Good Faith Reads is a short podcast released twice a month in which we focus on one of our book authors at Good Faith Media. We've published more than 100 titles under our Nurturing Faith book imprint, and we invite you to check them out at goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. Today's guest is Leroy Spinks, author of the book The Jesus Lens, Bringing the Bible's Story into Focus. Leroy is joining us remotely from Ringgold, Georgia today. Leroy, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Cliff. Thank you for inviting me for this conversation. We're delighted to have you with us. Uh, let's start. Let me uh, voice this sentiment. What does Jesus really have to do with the Bible? Now, on the one hand, I'm asking a silly question. But on the other hand, as you point out in the book, many Christians would rather talk about a so-called biblical worldview than a Jesus worldview. So tell us what's going on here. Well, I've always loved the Bible, and I've in, devoted my entire preaching ministry to expounding the Bible to my congregations, book by book, passage by passage. But the real point of the Bible is not the Bible itself. It's Jesus. Um, I'm guided by a verse that uh, where John quotes Jesus as saying, you search the scriptures because in them, in the scriptures, you think you have eternal life, but these are they that testify of me. Uh, and that verse has been my guiding verse for uh, as long as I can remember that the Bible's significance is that it's a testimony to Jesus. And the Bible's significance is that it, it's a the primary witness to God's self-revelation to Israel through its history, its uh, prophets, scriptures, and ultimately it comes to its climax in Jesus Christ. And we need to read the Bible through the eyes of Jesus Christ. Now my problem is, it seems to me, and this is the reason John began the uh, Jesus uh, Worldview Initiative, is I hear a lot of people talking about a biblical worldview. And I have tried my best to figure out what that is. Uh, Does it mean young earth creationism? Uh, does it mean an affirmation of slavery? Uh, does it mean an affirmation of genocide of the Canaanites? What, what is a biblical worldview? And uh, I was so relieved when John came up with the idea of a Jesus worldview because we have to read the Bible through Jesus and not try to impose on Jesus. Uh, a lot of things we find in the Old Testament that we really shouldn't impose on Jesus. So you've written roughly a couple of hundred pages about, quote-unquote, the misunderstood book. So why or how is it so misunderstood by so many people who treasure it? Well, I think the Bible's misunderstood in two different ways. Christians, and this is the way I was raised, uh, see the Bible as an absolute, because it's inspired, as being absolutely infallible, inerrant in every assertion. And uh, the problem, though, is when we go to the Old Testament, we see accounts of brutality, uh, stonings, mutilation as judicial punishment, God ordering the genocide of the uh, Canaanites right down to the last infant, pregnant woman, an old man. Uh, And it's really hard 
to square those things with the spirit of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm convinced we can't square those things with the spirit of Jesus Christ. So that's one misunderstanding from the Christian side. From those who are more skeptical, and I think this has come largely from this very conservative Christian view of the Bible, they see the Bible as just another collection of myths and legends, like the Greeks and Romans and Babylonians and Vikings and <laughs> every other group of the world had. And uh, there's nothing more than that. Um, it seems to me that if we understand how the Bible was written, how it came to be the book or collection of books it is, then we can see how to understand it through the eyes of Jesus and take it for what it presents itself to be. I'll note here that this title, The Jesus Lens, is part of Good Faith Media's Jesus Worldview Initiative, which you referenced, which simply aims to help Christians follow Jesus. The initiative involves retreats and conferences and books, books like this one. To learn more about the Jesus Worldview Initiative, go to goodfaithmedia.org and click on Initiatives. We'll be right back in 30 seconds with more of Good Faith Reads. I'm Starlet Thomas, and I invite you to join us for Good Faith Stories. It's a new podcast series from Good Faith Media. In each episode of Good Faith Stories, we'll bring you a collection of different stories tied to a theme, unique and true stories as told by the people who live them. Each story is short, six or seven minutes, with a little mood music. Listen to Good Faith Stories wherever you get your podcasts, and find us online at goodfaithmedia.org. Welcome back to Good Faith Reads. Today, we're joined remotely by Leroy Spinks, author of the book, The Jesus Lens, Bringing the Bible's Story into Focus. I'm Cliff Vaughn of Good Faith Media. Leroy, you pastored churches in various states and wrote books and Bible studies, and here's a book about a book, or a book about lots of books. Any writing advice for authors out there? Well, I think many people, even aspiring writers, think that writing is an easy process. I don't know how many people I've heard say to me, I could write a book. One day I'm going to do that. <laughs> and they think that all you do is sit down and write your thoughts. And uh, you can organize it, and get it in complete sentences, then uh, that's good writing. I found that writing, effective writing, to be understood is the most demanding thing I've ever undertaken. Uh, I started off with that old idea that uh, I'd learned how to write in college writing term papers, uh, I very quickly discovered that is not good writing. <laughs> it may pass college uh, professors' requirements, but it is not. It is not good writing for publication. And so I learned I had to study the best writers, and I listened to. Uh, this was back in the days that we used uh, audio tapes, and <laughs> I listened to tapes and read books on it. Um, Writing is about a lot more than just using good grammar, good vocabulary, and outlining your material well. Um, I would suggest uh, that aspiring authors uh, read three books. Uh, two of them are very old books, but uh, Rudolf Flesch's books, The Art of Readable Writing and The Art of Plain Talk. Uh, those books 
jerked me up real short because I was prone to using the kind of vocabulary that I used in seminary uh, that uh, nobody who hasn't been to seminary understands. Um, and he really taught me that if you can't say it in plain one and two syllable words, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and that, that really, that really became a hard uh, task for me to learn how to do. And then a more recent book that I've read recently is on how to tell a story. And it's just entitled Story, written by Robert Key, an award-winning uh, movie writer, producer, director. And uh, I had not realized that the art of telling a story um, has been known since Aristotle that Aristotle told how to tell a story and that to this day, uh, movie writers <laughs> use Aristotle's formula, although it's been developed into dozens of different sub topics. Uh, for instance, a novel is one thing, a historical novel is something else. But this book by Robert McKee really helped me in understanding how to tell a story. And since I like to write in a sort of a narrative form, uh, I've learned to try to organize my books that way, even though uh, I'm not writing a novel and so it doesn't exactly fit that form. Uh, it helped a lot just to read how he says you have to write a successful movie plot or a successful novel. Well, the Jesus Lens is full of your own good writing. And some of my favorite writing in the book comes from your chapters on Hebrew philosophy and writings that we talk about you know, Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and so forth. And you characterize the philosophical movement in Israel as being about the art of walking with God, which I love that phrase. So tell us more about this art and the wisdom tradition uh, that, that talked about it, or as the wisdom tradition understood it. Well, the wisdom tradition uh, apparently began with Solomon as he was collecting Proverbs, uh, common proverbs on a variety of things, but it didn't reach its climax until after the return from the exile. And I believe that most of the uh, books that we call the wisdom books were written during that period. Even, even the book of Proverbs that we attribute to Solomon, it was written much later, although it uh, incorporated the Solomon, some of the Solomon uh, proverbs that Solomon collected. Um, but if you go to the Proverbs, it's a really good indication of what the wisdom tradition was about, because there are Proverbs in there about homemaking, about government, about economics, and finances, banking, uh, fighting wars. <laughs> uh, there's just all sorts of Proverbs. And I can imagine homemakers making up the ones about homemaking and soldiers making up the ones about <clears throat> warfare and so on but they're very practical. They're very different from the Torah, the, the books of law that set forth walking with God as a matter of obeying God's law, uh, which is also the way the books of history uh, set it up. The books of prophecy focus on justice. And uh, while the Proverbs also will frequently focus on justice, that's not their central uh, focus. Their central focus is just the practical act of living well then when you come to the to the more later books of proverbs like job 
he's focused on the issue of innocent suffering. And um, as I understand the book of Job, and I don't claim to be an expert on Job, I think that Job said, we don't understand innocent suffering. Uh, we just trust God and trust God to do what is do what is right. But God doesn't necessarily uh, give everybody what he deserves. Uh, then uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, this author is focusing on the apparent senselessness of much of life. And uh, he says, uh, I've seen a lot of things in life and the man is a, a wise man and he amasses wealth and leaves it to a fool and he squanders it. <laughs> what, what kind of sense does life make under those circumstances? And he struggles with this whole thing of the apparent senselessness of life. Uh, at the end, he finally says, well, all we can do is love God, trust God, <laughs> obey God, and let him work it all out. Um, Song of Solomon, uh, much to the embarrassment of the rabbis and a lot of Christian ministers, sings the glories of sex. Now, we've tried all sorts, the rabbis have tried all sorts of ways to get around that, and Christian ministers have too, but uh, look, of the Song of Solomon is just about the glory of sex. And uh, if we can just read it honestly, as it was, it deals with uh, something that's very important human life. So the various books were focusing on just the practicality of living and how do you deal with uh, the various issues and problems of human life. An important note to all of our listeners, we at Good Faith Media are always accepting book proposals. Our authors engage with an experienced team of editors, designers, and marketers to produce and sell books on a variety of topics. If you have a book proposal you'd like to run by us, head on over to goodfaithmedia.org slash bookstore for more information. That's goodfaithmedia.org slash bookstore. Leroy, as we wrap up, could you read for us one of your favorite passages from the book? We'd love to hear it, and then on the other side, hear why it stands out for you. The one I selected is is an extended passage, but I'm talking about Jesus preaching as one with authority. And uh, he begins in Matthew 23, verse 23, saying, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important master matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then I go on to say, most shockingly, at times Jesus challenged the scriptures themselves. In Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, he began by saying he had not come to abolish the Hebrew scriptures, but to fulfill them. The following passage, though, makes it clear that he made this pronouncement precisely because he knew some would think he was abolishing the Hebrew scriptures. What he said next showed that while he accepted the Hebrew scriptures, he did not give blind adherence to their every assertion. Six times in the next few verses, Jesus said, you have heard that it has been said to you, but I say to you. In the first three cases, the laws concerning murder, adultery, and divorce, Jesus reinterpreted and internalized his contemporaries' understanding of those scriptures. In the next three cases, however, he actually contradicted the scriptures. Even allowing for rhetorical hyperbole, Jesus flatly contradicted 
the eye for an eye command of Deuteronomy 1921 and other passages. And then he went on to contradict other uh, passages from the Old Testament. And then skipping down farther on that page, I conclude uh, this particular discussion by saying Jesus did not, however, destroy the prior revelation of the scriptures. As he insisted before refuting several scriptural passages, he fulfilled it. He filled it full by going to the heart of that revelation and discerning its most profound meaning. He corrected its violent, hate-filled passages by other gracious, redemptive passages from those same scriptures. One passage that may have captured his attention lay in the letter Jeremiah wrote to the exiles in Babylon. In that letter, to the same exiles who produced the statement glorying and bashing out the brains of Babylonian babies, that's in Psalm 137, if you need to look it up, he gave these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Jeremiah flatly contradicted the vengeance-seeking psalmist. Uh, Jesus implicitly sided with gracious Jeremiah and rejected the attitude of the bitter psalmist. This passage sort of summarizes uh, my approach in the Jesus lens. Uh, Jesus loved the Hebrew scripture, and he lived according to them. He even uh, lived according to their to their laws, going to the temple and uh, engaging in the uh, festivals of, of Jewish law. But he felt free to contradict their grosser passages in deference to their higher, more profound, gracious passages. Jesus clearly did not believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. And that's one of the themes of the book, that uh, the doctrine of the inerrancy of scripture, I believe, is one of the greatest hindrances uh, to the appreciation of the Bible by non-Christians, non-believers, and uh, to the rejection, even of the gospel. Because if uh, you try to insist on the inerrancy of every passage, then you get into just hopeless contradictions. So we read it through Jesus' rejection of the violent passages, focusing and reinterpreting it in view of the gracious passages, then we can find the canon within the canon, as some have put it, to interpret the Bible. I'm curious, follow up, how did you manage to talk about Jesus and Scripture and Jesus's view of Scripture in the ways that you have for so many decades without losing your head, moving in the circles that you, that you moved in? Because it's such a controversial perhaps is not the right word but it, it, it's fraught with uh easy misstep let's say well you know it's real funny my churches always considered me exceedingly conservative because they would say out i've heard it and i'm not this is not a brag i'm just quoting people who said i was the most biblical preacher they ever heard it is in fact one of my complaints about me was I was too biblical. <laughs> I stayed too close to the Bible. On the other hand, in the larger community, I 
discovered that I had a reputation as being a flaming liberal who didn't believe anything. <laughs> so I didn't lose my head, but um, I lost my reputation sometimes. <laughs> didn't I didn't take the inerrancy uh, approach, and that uh, that got me in trouble. Our guest today on Good Faith Reads has been Leroy Spinks, author of the book, the wonderful book, The Jesus Lens, Bringing the Bible's Story into Focus. The book, along with more than 100 other titles, is available as both a print book and an ebook at goodfaithmedia.org slash bookstore. Leroy, we really appreciate you being our guest today. Well, thank you for inviting me to talk about it. <laughs>